This is the Hoob It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. God wants you to grow. God is never satisfied with our uh, mediocrity. He is never satisfied with this idea that you and I are just going to somehow kind of, kind of just sort of get by. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to ensure. He wants to ensure that everything that he set out for you to accomplish in your life is something that you're able to accomplish for his purposes. So my question tonight is how do we figure out if we're making any progress in those purposes? How do we figure out if we're making any real progress towards the things that we know God has for us? How do we know if we're making progress in the journey that we say we believe God has mapped out for us? How do we know if we're making any real progress? Here's the good news. The good news is that God is with us and he is more than willing to help us achieve the purposes that he's mapped out for our lives. In the New Testament, uh, there's a guy by the name of Paul, and he writes this to uh, the church at Philippi. Philippi was a city. This is found in the New Testament, kind of near the back of the Bible. And uh, the book that it's uh, entitled Philippians, because that's who he's writing to. He's writing to the Philippian people, the people who lived in Philippi, and the church that gathered there. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, and I am certain that God, he's writing to this church, he says, I'm certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Christ Jesus returns. So it's almost like, just think about this for a minute, you guys. When we talk about growth, uh, it's almost like there's two sides of the equation, right? There's two sides. On one side, there's God. He's there. He's motivating us. He's helping us. He's showing us. He's encouraging us in our journey and the purposes that he has for us. And on the other side of the equation, on the other side of the equation of us is us. So the question is, what's required of us in order to grow. If we know, according to Philippians 1, 6, that God is with us and he's going to be with us and he's going to help us and he's going to map it out, we all say that we believe those things. If God is over there and then we're on this side, what's required of us in the process? What are we called to do to help the process along? And I want to suggest this tonight. Here's what I want to suggest. I want to suggest that one of the very first things that you and I are called to do, this is real simple. One of the very first things that you and I are called to do is to figure out where we're at. Now, I want to suggest to you tonight that getting to where you want to be, getting to where you want to be begins with knowing where you are. Let me say that again. Getting to where you know you want to be begins with first knowing where you are. And I want to encourage you tonight for just a few minutes to try to figure out where it is that you're at. Now, some of you are like, well, that's easy. I'm at the brink. It's Wednesday night. Next question. Or, hey, I'm at church. Or today I was at school. Or, uh, you know, yesterday I was at my part-time job. And tomorrow I'm going over here. No, no, no. I'm not talking about a physical sense. I'm not talking about physically where you're at. Of course, I'm talking about a spiritual sense. I'm speaking about the spiritual idea of who we are and where where are you in your spiritual development. And let me paint a picture tonight just for a few minutes. I'll be very brief. Let me paint a picture tonight of three different scenarios. Or maybe let me describe for you three different people. Three different people. And I want to challenge you tonight to try to identify with one of these types of people. 
Now, and I know that seems unfair. Some of you are like, well, you know, you're only going to describe three people. And I got to pick one. You don't have to pick one, but I really want to encourage you because I think that most of us could probably find ourselves in one of these camps, right? Most of us could find ourselves in one of these, in one of these spots. Here's the very first one. You look as though you have it all together, but you realize your need for more. That's the first type of person. You look as though you have it all together, but you realize your need for more. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, it's in the New Testament, uh, it says this. It records for us this interaction that Jesus has with this guy. And listen to this. This is what it says in Mark, chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all the commands since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, this is what the scripture says, at this the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So here's what I want you to understand tonight. This rich man from the outside looking in looked as though he had everything he needed, right? I mean, even according to society standards, this guy was set, right? He was rich. He had all the resources he needed. He had everything he needed, even according to the church standard. And why do I say that? I say that because Jesus said, you know, uh, these are the commandments. You got to don't commit adultery and don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal. And the guy, even according to the church standard, the guy was like, done. I do all those things. I mean, I don't do all those things. I don't do any of those things. I don't do any of those things. He was like, he was the good church guy, right? Like he was the kid who came to church all the time and he always honored his mother and father and, and just took care of everybody and he was rich and wealthy. And so the church thought he was great. The society around him uh, thought he was great. Everybody thought he was great and thought he was sad. But even in the midst of all of his greatness from the outside looking in, here's a guy that realized that he hadn't given everything over to God. He was realizing that he still needed something more. So that's the first person. Person one, from the outside looking in, you look like you have it all together, but you realize your need for more. Here's the second person. You feel alone, you feel inadequate, and you feel undeserving, but you're not satisfied with that kind of life. You feel alone, you feel undeserving, you feel inadequate, but you're not satisfied with where you're at in life right now. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, if you flip up a couple of verses, in verse 46, it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed them. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called up the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. And then he says this, my rabbi, I want to see. 
And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So here's a blind guy that, by everyone else's observations, was an outcast. Right? He was worthless. He had nothing to contribute. Why? Because he was blind. He was likely very poor because he was blind and he couldn't hold down a job. I mean, what do you give a blind person to do? I mean, in this society, in this culture, like if you were blind or you had some sort of physical impalement or physical uh, handicap, I mean, you were just kind of cast aside and, 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 and just written off, really. And so he was an outcast. By everyone else's opinion, this guy's an outcast. He has nothing to offer. He's unable to work. But here's the thing, you guys. He was persistent. And when he cried out to Jesus, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did the people say to him? The people said, shut up. No one cares about you. No one listens to you. You don't have any value. You don't have any worth. Why are you even talking right now? But this guy, he was persistent. He keeps yelling and he keeps yelling. And eventually Jesus hears him. And because Jesus hears him, Jesus stops. And because Jesus stopped, he healed this man. And because he healed him, his life was forever changed. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. See, here's the thing, you guys. If you truly desire, if you're this second person, right, and you feel worthless, and you feel undeserving, and you feel inadequate, but you're not satisfied with that, if you keep on being persistent, if you continue to take steps in your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible is clear, you guys. If you keep asking, if you keep seeking, if you keep knocking, then your prayers are going to be answered. And here's the thing, you guys. Everybody around you is telling you to shut up. Everybody around you is telling you that you don't matter. Everyone around you is telling you that you don't have any worth and you don't have any value and why are you even bothering? And they think you're a freak because you come to church or they're a freak because you don't act like everybody else acts or they think you're a freak because you read your Bible and you spend time in prayer. They don't understand those things and they don't get it and they're pushing you to the out, outside. They're pushing you and they're making you an outcast. Even in the midst of that, your job, you guys, is to keep on crying out to Jesus saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. If you keep asking and seeking and knocking, God is going to answer. He's going to answer. So that's the second person. So the first person is from the outside looking in, you look like you have everything together, but you realize your need for more. And the second person is that you feel undeserving and inadequate and unprepared and unworthy. But you're not satisfied with that. You know there's something more. You're not satisfied with where you're at, and you know you need to keep digging. Here's the third person and the last one. You really live for him. You live for Jesus until things get tough, and then you jump ship. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, it records for us this incident with Jesus and his disciples. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus, this is, so, this is so bizarre. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, midst of a storm. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care about the wind? Don't you care that we're about to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. 
And then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples, the scripture says, were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, the disciples who had been with Jesus for all of his ministry time, right? They had been with Jesus all of his ministry time. They supposedly believed in everything that he taught. And uh, uh, even in the midst of that, here's a group of guys that probably needed to make some progress in their spiritual development. I mean, you have to remember that these weren't guys that had just read about Jesus. These weren't guys that had just heard about Jesus. These were guys that saw Jesus heal people. These are guys that saw Jesus walk on the water. Let me say that again. Because I think sometimes we hear phrases like that and we're like, oh yeah, Jesus walked on the water. Listen, Jesus walked on water. Let me say it again. Jesus walked on water. These guys watched that happen. They watched him heal They watched him bring people back to life. I mean, I think sometimes we hear these things and we read these things and for us they become detached. But listen, for the disciples, they weren't detached. These guys were witnessing these things firsthand with their own eyes. These were the guys that were supposed to carry on the message after Jesus leaves. They dropped everything to follow Jesus and were proud to be called his disciples. Yet, when things began to get difficult, they jumped ship. See, it's easy to follow Jesus when there's not a lot of pressure on you. It's easy to follow Jesus when things are going well. It's it's easy to follow Jesus when your grades are good and your social life's good and mom and dad are getting along at home and you got all sorts of options and your future's looking bright. It's really easy to follow Jesus. We're like, amen, praise the Lord. I love Jesus. I love coming to church. I love reading my Bible. You love those things until things start to get tough, until mom and dad start fighting or until you got rejected by some girl or some boy that you like or your friends are making fun of you or whatever the case is. In the midst of all of that, suddenly following Jesus gets really difficult. But listen to this, you guys. Jesus is crystal clear that in the midst of all of our struggles, he is with us. So which kind of person are you? Are you the rich man who has everything together? I mean, from the outside looking in, people look at your life, man, and they're like, man, that cat's got it together. They got it going on. They got all the friends in the world. They got all the options in the world. Their future's looking bright. But in your heart of hearts right now, as you sit here tonight, you're thinking, you know what? I know that people think that about me. But there's some things in my life that I haven't given up. Are you the blind man that feels inadequate or lonely or worthless? or undeserving, and you're just not satisfied with that life. You know there's some things in your life that aren't good, and you're kind of starting to settle. You're kind of starting to look around and go, maybe this is just what I'm destined for. Listen to me. You are not destined for mediocrity. You are destined for greatness. You are destined to do something amazing, and the greatest single accomplishment that you will ever have in your life is accomplishing everything that God has mapped out for you. Nothing more, nothing less. 
And some of you sit here tonight and think, you know what, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm deserving of that. I don't know. I'm kind of on the outside looking in. No, listen to me. If you want more, the scripture is so clear. All you have to do is ask for it. Or maybe you're like the disciples. Maybe you're the third person. You're like the disciples. You know what? Because you've seen God move. You know, you remember a time in your life where you were on fire for God and you were loving Jesus and telling your friends about him and you were living a pure life and your thought life was pure and the things you watched were pure and the things you listened to were pure. All of those things, you remember that time, but now things are getting tough. Now people are asking you questions about how come you're not hanging out on Wednesday night or how come you're not, uh, you can't come over on Saturday night and spend the night because you got church in the morning. Hey, how come you're not talking about hooking up with this girl or hooking up with this boy? How come you're not talking about all the same stuff? How come you're not going to after prom with everybody else? We're not going to this after prom, we're going to this after prom. How come you appear to have different standards? How come you're not okay with cheating on tests? How come you're not okay with disrespecting your parents? Now things are getting tough. And so you're looking at your friends and you're looking at your life and you're looking at your friends and you're looking at Jesus and you're looking over here and you're looking over here and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how committed I am to this Jesus thing. Because it's one thing to be committed to Jesus when everything's great, but it's a whole other ball game when things are tough. Father God, I give you thanks for this night. God, I give you thanks for this opportunity. I give you thanks for this chance to look into your word. God, I pray that as we reflect for a few moments, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak very clearly to each one of us. God, that you would allow us to have a moment of honesty, a moment of courage, followed by a moment of action. God, that we would honestly evaluate where we're at with the courage it takes to make some hard admissions. God, that we would have the boldness to move on those things. God, we just want to grow. God, we just want to become more like you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.hooveitorloseit.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It. 